Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we'll have together tonight to study your word. We pray that you will cause your word to have entrance into every hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, we are talking about, you know, living the Christian life, working out our salvation, living it in reality, not just words, not just talks, living it the way it should be. And today we are looking at living in dominion, because if we don't live in dominion, if we have things that are holding us in bondage, then we can't live the life that Christ died to give us. We just can't live it. So it's important that we look at how a Christian lives in dominion. When we go back to creation, so you understand that God's purpose in creating man was to create a kind of God-man here and who will have dominion on earth under his authority. So in Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Whether it's viruses, bacteria. Man was given dominion over all of those things. Because God created man to be like him and to live here like God. To be his regent. To take care of this earth for him. And for him to do that successfully, he had to have control over everything on this earth. So we can see that from the creation of man, the purpose of God in Adam and Eve was stated clearly. There was no other creation that was made in the image of God. None was made to be like God. And God breathed into Adam. But you know that God does not breathe. God does not need air. God is a spirit. He's the source of life. When the scripture talks of breathing, what's talking about is that God put life into them. Using the language we can understand. But God doesn't breathe. God doesn't need air. God doesn't have lungs. God, God is a spirit. So they had, they were created to be like God, and that scripture mentioned it twice or so, that this is who they are. They're like God, created to be like God. In the image of God, he made them. And then God gave them dominion. So in Psalm 115, verse 16, it says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth had he given to the children of men. See? Say the heaven, the heavens are the lost. But this earth that God created, he created it to give it to Adam 
and Eve to the children of men, to rule over it, to enjoy all the work of his hand. Everything God created was theirs. And God being, God is never disorderly. When he says something, he means it. Having given them this dominion, when God created every other thing, he stepped back and brought them to the boss now and said, what do you call them? God didn't give them names. God allowed Adam to exercise that dominion because God already gave it to him. And so Genesis 2.19, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he will call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Whatever I called them, he was the boss. God put them all on that. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all the fowl, to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. You see, Adam was really operating in the level that God made him. He was like God. He knew their names. Nobody taught him this. He was operating like God. But what happened is that that dominion that Adam had was predicated on Adam operating under God. Because God said, listen, don't eat this, don't eat this. The day you do that, you die. As long as you are operating under God, you're fine. But there was somebody else who was interested in that dominion. And you can see why God told them to subdue. Because God knew that somebody else was going to come to try to wrench that dominion from them. And that somebody else was also created. He was a created being. And so Adam could exercise authority over that thing on this earth. Because the whole earth was given to Adam. And so in Romans 6, 16, we see a spiritual principle that Adam failed and there was the authority and dominion was taken from him. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? So the Bible says, whatever you choose to obey, you become the slave. Because now that thing is controlling you. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. You can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. It's a choice now. It's not that you are forced, but you choose to succumb to the authority of something. The Bible says that thing has become your boss because it's the one controlling water. And so when Adam obeyed the devil, this scripture, this scripture was fulfilled. He obeyed the devil. He became subservient to the devil. He became subservient to all those things created. He, 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 wasn't, he, lost his, he lost his dominion over them. And the devil took it over from him. Because the, the devil had become the boss of the one who was the boss. And Adam chose to, he chose Nobody forced him. 
He wasn't even deceived. He was, that guy, that man was created really to be like God. He wasn't deceived. He was, he was equipped with everything to deal with that set. He wasn't deceived. If he could name everything God created accurately, he could, he could know that this is Satan. He was not deceived. He willingly yielded to the devil and surrendered his authority to him. So in, in uh, 1 Timothy 2.14, and it was not Adam who was deceived. It was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived, and sin was the result. Adam was not deceived. And so, Satan now became the god of this world. Remember, God created Adam to be the god of this world, because he made him to be like him, a small god, to represent him here on earth. Now, when he surrendered that position, that authority to Adam, I mean to Satan, Satan took over. And so in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them who believe not. So the scripture calls Satan now the God of this world. Then in, in uh, Romans 5, 12, we can see why Satan had the legal right. In Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone now sinned. So when Adam sinned, sin entered. And with it came death. Guess who is behind death? The devil. Because he is the killer. He destroys, he kills, he steals. That's his ministry. So he now had legal right to execute because the soul that sin it must die. So in Romans 5, 17 again, it says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over men. So the devil had this dominion now. Because mankind, he said, that sin made everybody to be a sinner. So the devil had this dominion now. Because in, in Adam, when he obeyed the devil, it's like everybody that came out of him was subject to that thing he did. Because he said the sin of that one man made others sinners too. Now, the devil told Jesus that this, this dominion was given to me. It was handed to me. In Luke 4, 5, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. It wasn't God that gave it to him. It was Adam. But delivered to me and I give it to whosoever I wish. No? I'm the boss. I'm the boss. Whosoever I wish, I give it. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours, which is a lie. Because if you, if you obey him, you become a servant. So the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ, called the son of man, never obeyed the devil, had no sin, came to this earth with authority. 
Or the eighth was given to children of men. He came with authority. He landed there with authority. When he was born, they described him as he was born king. We saw him displaying his dominion all over the place. Everything. We now saw Jesus pray for the sick. He would command the thing, get out of here. He, he was exercising incredible dominion. His world was full of power everywhere. was anointed of God. So, but when he came, and to show you that he is the last Adam. The last Adam is no more Adam is coming. This is it. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That's a life-giving spirit. 47. The first Adam is on, of the earth, earthly. The second Adam is the Lord from heaven. So when the Bible is talking about the second Adam, the last Adam, it's talking about Jesus Christ. So this first Adam put us in trouble. The last Adam from heaven, the Lord himself, came to set us free from that bondage. And I want to remind us, there was only one reason why Satan took that authority from Adam, sin. Nothing else. So if sin could be atoned for, the devil is lost. Until it's atoned for, he was roaming everywhere. But once it is atoned for and paid for in full, he lost everything. He didn't have any more basis for, for rampaging all over the plot place. For those, I want you to listen to me, for those who accept that atonement for themselves. But those who don't want to accept it, he's blessing them. But those who accept that atonement, accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, because their sins are now atoned in full, the devil has lost his legal ground in their lives. But they must know it, and they must believe it. So let's read how Jesus set us free from the dominion of Satan. In <clears throat> Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, we who are flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of it. You see, sin came, death came. Satan was the one that had the power of death. He was the one. Actually, death, when sin came, Satan came. You can put it like that without, without changing anything. When sin entered the world, death entered. So when sin entered the world, Satan entered. Here we can see that death and Satan are interchangeable right here because Satan is the agent of death. He's the one that kills. So right here, let me read it again. Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he destroyed him that had the power of death. So when the Bible said that sin entered and death came, you're talking about the one that had the power of death came, devil. That, that is the devil, 15. And delivered them, see, Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There was no answer to sin. We don't have answer. So mankind was living in fear of death because there was no answer. No answer. 
So Jesus came, and through his own death, he destroyed the devil's right to exercise death over us. Through his own death, he paid the price for sin. For the soul that sinned must die. He died for us. He died for me. He died for you. Having died for me means I have died. And if I have died and paid the penalty of sin in Christ, then the devil doesn't have any more right. If sin entered and death came, if sin is wiped out, death lives. If sin entered and death followed it in, if sin is wiped out by the blood, then death what? Lives. Doesn't have any more grounds to stand. Yeah, I think this is very simple to understand. So that's what the scripture is saying. By his death, he destroyed he that had the heart, H A D, had it, he had it, power of death. And by doing that, he says, and deliver us all who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So we're no more subject to bondage of Satan and death. Which means, in effect, that we are no more subject to any agent of death. Anything that causes death, we are no more subject to them. None of them. That's why the scripture says that by his stripes we are healed. That he pleased God to smite him, make him sick. By his stripes, by his death, Satan was disarmed. Sin fully paid for. The blood washes sin away. And if there is no sin, there is no legal grounds for the devil to attack me from with death. They say, the scripture said that the sting of uh, sin is death. Right? Or the sting of death is sin. Which one? The sting of death. The sting of sin is death. And I say, where there is no sin. I mean, the sting of, confusing myself. Where there is no sin, then death has no more sting. The sting of death is sin. Where there is no sin, death loses its sting. And if death loses its sting, when you take a scorpion and you, and you press out all the poison, it loses its sting. Bible says, who would believe this? Colossians 2, 13. Can you, can you go back and put that scripture, the sting of, the sting of death is sin? You can, you can pull it off for me. Before I'm, I'm done, put it up there. Because I want to illustrate it very well. John, you know where it is? Okay. <laughs> you know where it is? It's up there. Okay, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, if the sting of death is sin, if your sin is washed away, then death has no more sting. Has no more sting. And if you walk in grace, the law has no more power. It doesn't walk in. You walk under grace. 
if you walk under the law, it strengthens sin in your life, causes you trouble. But if you walk under the power of Christ, under the work of grace, freedom that Jesus gives, then sin has no power over you. Okay, let's continue. Colossians 2.13. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. See, the sins caused death. Death is separation from God, and that separation also causes physical death. But those who are delivered in Christ are no more in the realm of death. We are no more in the region of death. We've moved from death to life. We are no more there. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set you free from the law of sin and death. Before you got saved, you were dead in sin. You were dead in sin. You were in the realm of death. You were in the realm of, of the dead. But when you came to Christ, you moved from that realm of dark realm of where there's no light to the realm of life that Christ brings, where there is light. You are no more in darkness. You are in light. You are no more in death. You are in life. So you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, brought you into life through Christ. For he forgave all your sins. See, the moment sins are forgiven, life is restored. The sentence of death goes. Death has no power. The Bible says because we are forgiven our sins, that now we've come from death to life. The Christian must know these things, believe them. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So on the cross, he paid in full for our sins. So any charges against us was paid for. He said, look at me, I'm paying for it. This is payment right here. Right here. So when they nailed him, they nailed all the charges with him. Say, look at it. So he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way now, when he took away the charges and the sin, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. It's only sin that brought the trouble. He disarmed them. He, he shamed them publicly by, by, the, by his victory over them on the cross. You know what this verse is saying? Christians, please listen to me. Anytime you remember that Jesus died for you, what is reminding you is that when he hung on that cross, it was a public display that your sins have been paid for. So the devil is publicly disgraced. He, all his charges, everything is canceled. When he hung up there, the Bible says he didn't do it in, 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 he did it publicly. So by looking at the Son of God on the cross, God is saying to the devil, look at him. All their sins have been paid for right here. What, what do you have to say? Publicly. Displayed it on the, publicly. It was not done in the corner. So that the devil can say, no, it's not true. No, publicly. He brought it publicly by hanging on the cross, 
by his blood dripping, by his dying for me, he hung on there publicly as an evidence that my sins are gone. So the Bible said that he shamed them publicly. It was a public display. They couldn't do anything about it. Because they killed the Son of God. The Bible said if they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't have killed him. But they killed him already, so he defeated them. They, they were messed up. That's why the Bible calls the gospel, you know, the, 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 the wisdom of God. That God's wisdom is on display. They will kill an innocent son of God. And by killing him, they lose the authority over mankind. So he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. <laughs> this is not a, a physical, no, it's, not, it's a legal thing. Hung right there, blood dripping, a sinless son of God was killed publicly. So his hanging there was a public display that I, I and you, I and you have been set free from the death of sin. And if our sin is paid for, then the he that had the power of, of death has no, no more sting. Not. Absolutely not. That's how he set us free. And then Paul writing for the one Christians not to rely on religious religious uh, ritualisms and laws and things for thinking that that's where their freedom came from. He reminded us that our freedom came from Christ, not from all those things. It was Christ that hung out there, paid for it, and set us free. So he was reminding us because it doesn't take long until you find human beings resorting to ritualism, thinking that that is God that saved them. And in these days and time, it's happening a lot. So we need to read it. Colossians 2, 16. So don't let anyone condemn you now for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. So don't, get, don't let anybody come with any kind of ceremonies and something they do and then condemn you. Oh, you should have taken part in this. When you do it like this, then this. So don't let people bamboozle you with all of that. 17, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is the reality. He said the Sabbath and everything in the Old Testament, they're just rules. He said, but Christ is the reality himself. 18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. You see, I've been warning all of us. You cannot teach with your vision, with your whatever. We don't know who you saw. We don't. You teach from the scriptures. The Holy Spirit said they will come and say we had visions. Why? Because they will want to create an authority, false authority to convince you to accept what they're telling. They want to create that false authority that it was God. And what more can prove it? I, God came to me. I saw him in a vision. I like, oh, yeah, yeah, see, yeah. And after creating that false authority, they now tell you what the spirit that is 
guiding them, he's telling you, and you accept it. That's all he's doing. Their sinful mind, I'm reading Colossians 2 verse 18, the last verse. Let me read it again. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful mind have made them proud. They want to create an authority to convince you to believe what they're telling. What more? What better authority than they tell you, you know Jesus came to me. I saw Jesus in the night. He told me, he told me that, he told me, told me, told me, told me, told me. He saw Jesus, hey! Then you accept it. It's easy. 19. And they are not connected to Christ. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. God nourishes it by his word. Verse 20, you have died with Christ. You see, he's saying, look, when Christ died, you died. Listen to this, amazing. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Those things can't, are not the things that set you free. They're not. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following these rules of the world? Such as, don't do this, don't handle this, don't do this, don't do this. He says, all these rules that people make, don't wear earring. Somebody was so foolish. I've never had anything this stupid. That somebody was saying that he saw Jesus, and Jesus told him that somebody went to hell because he was wearing earring. I've never had anything this dumb in my life. And you wear ring, you wear wedding ring. You don't go to hell, wedding ring, you don't go. I wear one. You wear this watch, you don't go to hell. But once it's earring, you go to hell. And people believe this junk. So salvation is no more by faith in the cross. Salvation is now by what you wear and you don't wear. That, that, what kind of church is that? And people believe that junk. People believe that junk. That's what Paul is saying. He said, it is Christ that set you free. He said, don't believe all these people talking and taking you away from Christ, the deliverer. You have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following all this kind of junk rules? And he says in verse 22, such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. You are hearing we deteriorate as we use it now. And Jesus said there's nothing from without that can defile a man. Here they're telling people what is not scriptural at all. People are, because people won't read Bible. They're not studying scriptures. Verse 23. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotions. Pious and self deniers. Got to do 40 days dry. Got to. <laughs> it, they say this, they, they look wise because it requires self denial. You know, something that looks holy, pious, you know. And severe bodily discipline. Why, why doesn't it look religious and good? 
but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desire. Why? Because only Jesus can set us free. Only Jesus. People. John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Paul said, your freedom didn't come from all those things. It came from what Christ did on the cross for you. Where he hung in public. Publicly, he hung there. Paid for your sin in public. It's not hidden. So nobody can deny it was not hidden. See, that was where he canceled your sins and deprived the devil the legal right to come and bother you. It's not all those things. None of it. So we must not slip back into any form of bondage by believing all this junk. Because when you shift your faith from Christ and move it to whatever, you, back, you go back to bondage. You can't, you can't miss Christ and what he did and whatever else. No. The Bible says salvation is free, devoid of anything, of no works of man. That hanging on the cross is what did it. It's not your prayer. It's not your fasting. It's not your goodness. He hung on the cross for us because we all sinned and every man we went astray. Everybody. He hung there, carried all of us and deprived the devil. Any more right to accuse us. Any more right. That's why I say there's no more condemnation for us who have accepted that atonement for ourselves. Number two, after he set us free, he restored us to that place of dominion that where he put Adam. You remember, devil said, this was given to me. Then he came and set us free. Once the sin was paid for, Adam, the devil lost that dominion. So he brought it back to us and gave it to us back. That's what happened. Ephesians 2 says, and he had raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So once our sins were paid for, and we, he lives in us, it's like he took us and said, where I sit is now where you sit. Because I am one with you, you are my body. So let me show you your seat. Go to heaven. Said, you're seated with me in, in heavenly places. High above all the, your dominion is restored through my presence in you, through your joining with me, through your becoming one with me, through your being my body now, so that my glory I share with you. My glory I share with you. My dominion now I share with you. And then our level of dominion is, is described. Nothing is confusing. Ephesians 1.21, we're seated far above all principality, just in case people are confused about it, and power and might and dominion, and the every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. I have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
we become his body, joining to him, so his dominion becomes our dominion. That's what you have, child of God. That's what he gave you. Romans 5, 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, we live in triumph now over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. All who receive the atonement of the blood and the gift of righteousness, all who believe that Jesus died for them and has clothed them with the with the robe of righteousness, who accept the, the gift of the cross, what Christ brought to them. Those who accept it can walk in that level of dominion. But those who don't will not be able. Psalm 8.4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him? Listen to this. And the son of, son of eight-born man that you care for him. Yet you have made him but a little lower than God. You made him a little lower. You made him to be like you. He's not God, but you made him God, small God, a little lower than God. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Look at this one. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. This is the question. What is man that you, you put him in this place of dominion? You know, we, uh, when Adam came and we lost this, this scripture was restored to us in Christ. This very scripture was repeated. Repeated. Let me show you. Psalm 8.4, he says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of, of man that you, are, you care for him, yet you have made him but a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet. Under his feet. It's a prophetic work about what Christ will do to us. Through the cross. Now, the hope of experiencing this is Christ in you. David was talking as a prophet in the gift of word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is where God gives you insight into his plan and purpose for a people, for a place that hasn't happened. So he was talking under the unction of the Holy Spirit about the days of our salvation. And so the Holy Spirit came again and said to the church, this thing that you had, the only hope of you enjoying it is that Christ is in you. If you accept this atonement, if you receive him into your life, then you enjoy the benefit of that death on the cross. So in Colossians 1.27, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said, you have, you have, you have um, crowned him with glory. Then the Holy Spirit said, yes, the hope of this glory 
is Christy. If you don't accept him, you don't go there. You still remain in darkness. You're not in light. Now look at Ephesians 1.22. You will see this Psalm 8 being repeated here. Ephesians 1.22, amplified. I have put all things under his feet. Remember what he said in Psalm 8? He said, he said the last line, he said, you have put all things under his feet. Now look at the Holy Spirit bringing that language to the church. And saying, and he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal supreme head of the church. And verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, that in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete, who fills everything everywhere with himself. So you see, he said the church, you are the one David is talking about. Because now God has put all things under your feet. That glory is talking about in Psalm 8 is yours. Now you have a dominion over all the works of his hand. And the Holy Spirit said, the hope of that is Christ in you. Am I connecting? Am I shooting over your head? So he's the one that really reigns through us. Because we are joined to him, like I said, in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. So he is the one really exercising dominion through us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where he sits is where we sit. Ephesians 2, 5. Let me read it in TPP. TPT. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. Raised us up because we are joined with him. Christ is not exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Why am I co-seated with him? Because I am joined with him. Christ in me is what makes me to be co-seated with him. If it's not in me, I will not. There is nothing else that makes it possible. You can't work for it. You can't do anything for it except Christ in you. The Bible says this is a gift of grace. That's why I said, those who are under grace, sin does not dominate them. But those who are under the law, they produce evil. But the sin, the law cannot control your flesh. But Christ, by his spirit, will. The next thing is that he delegated his authority to us to use in his name. He delegated this authority to us to use in his name. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So now if all authority he has it, which one does the devil have now? None. He's lost it. None. And he said, Go therefore. The word therefore means go in this authority. I'm now saying, because this authority has been given to me, go therefore. 
Therefore, if I tell you, I say, hey, listen, I got $40 now. Go there for me. Maybe because of this $40 I have, you now go. So when he said that, he's saying to the church, all authority belongs to me. You can go. Why? Because you are joined to me. I'm one with you. That authority that's given to me is also your authority to use. Because you are me, I'm you, we're one. Go therefore, we got this authority, it's ours now. It belongs to him, so we can use it. Because we are him, we are joined to him. We are one spirit with him. So when he said, go therefore, that I got this thing, go, because you are part of me. As you go, I'll be with you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Luke 10, 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. 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 And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, I had, and it has to be true because I had it from a reliable source. Somebody was preaching, and it's a, it's a person that, he's, I mean, he has proven ministry. He died, I think, 100 years ago or something. He was saying that before there was ambulances or anything, if people were sick, they would look, if they say, is there any Christian around? That's what they'll be looking for. <laughs> Are there believers around? They will look for them and call them, and they come lay hands on them and get hit. Then they didn't have, there was no hospitals. Doctors would come to your house. They were doing house visits. They didn't have ambulances. They didn't have much. You know, so when people were sick, they would look for Christians. That's what they were looking for. And they would come and lay hands on them and get them healed. They were people of dominion. I give unto you power to trade upon all the works of Satan. The Bible says, who has believed our report? Do you look at the body of Christ and see if we are trading upon all the works of Satan? And we think that this belongs to a particular person. It's for everybody. Everybody. Christ in you, once you have Christ in you, you that glory is yours. Are you part of his body? Yeah, that authority you can use in his name. Mark 16, 17, we know this one. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. Shall cast out demons. So the dominion we saw Jesus exercise while he was here physically. We too can exercise. Through his name. He exercised dominion over nature, over Satan, over sickness, over everything. There is no record that Jesus prayed for the sick. No record. If there's one, I'm, I want to see. He spoke to the thing. He, he, was, he, was, he was living in serious dominion. Exercising dominion. He said to Storm, peace be still. Quiet. And the Bible said there was great calm. What did he do? He was exercising dominion. 
Dominion. <laughs> Dominion. They say his word was his power, man. So we don't see anything like this. He was a person of dominion because he was acting like the father. He, he, he said, I and my father were one. It's not feasible that the Lord Jesus will live under any subservient anything. The same way the church is not supposed to be subservient, subservient, subservient to anything. We're supposed to live in the same dominion. Where Christ said, I've lifted you up. All these things now are under your feet. All of them. All of them. Matthew 18, 18. I tell you the truth. So let me tell you the truth. Whatever you, 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 forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Now what, great, what, what, what greater privilege is this? And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted. So you have dominion. You have it. If you say, hey, this thing are not proceeding. This is, Jesus said, that's it. We are the sons of the kingdom. We are given the key of the kingdom to operate. We are supposed to be operating the kingdom of God. Actually, to, be, to tell you the truth about the matter is that the church is not the end game. The end game is to demonstrate the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was doing. He was showing them the superiority of God's kingdom over the devil's kingdom and over this world. That's what he said. He said, the kingdom of God is here now. He said, if I cast out the demons, then the kingdom of God is here. He would talk about the kingdom. He would, I'm not sure he spoke about the church a lot. He spoke about the kingdom, all his parables about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is this. He was illustrating life in the kingdom. He was demonstrating the reality of the kingdom of God. That's why when he preached, they say he preached about the kingdom. And the gospel was described about the world of the kingdom. Because he's talking about divine dominance, divine authority that Jesus restored to church. That we shall exercise the domination of the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom of God, the life in the kingdom of God. That we should demonstrate it. That's what we are called to be doing. We should demonstrate it. He said, why there's a casting down? When you walk in, you say there's a lifting up. We are called to demonstrate the kingdom. So that people will see it. Because Jesus said, they said they see, they won't believe. That's what the church, you and I are called to do. Kingdom means domination. It means you have to have dominion to talk of a kingdom. A kingdom is where a king is ruling. And so if we are reigning with Christ, then we are talking of a kingdom. We're not just church girls and they go Pentecostal church. That's not what it's all about. It's that we are kingdom people who demonstrate kingdom realities. That's what it is. We are kingdom people who demonstrate kingdom domination over the kingdom of Satan demonstrate the superiority of the kingdom of God over the world, you demo, we demonstrate it because we are the carriers of divine nature, carriers of Christ in us, carriers of that kingdom in us. The kingdom of God is in you. We carry it everywhere. And we, should dem- we don't carry it and be sleeping. We carry it to demonstrate it everywhere we are. 
Matthew 11, 23. For verily I said to you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he said. Does this not look like exercising dominion? That you can speak to mountains. And if you believe you have the dominion and they should obey you, they will. Actually, we must know that all these things that God put under our feet are supposed to be obeying us. That's why the Bible says, seek you face the kingdom. Then when you understand how the kingdom works, every other thing will serve you. Every other thing will be added to you. I tell people, when you go for a job interview, sit down there and know you are representing a, a superior kingdom to all the kingdoms of money and financial institutions. You, you carry God. Sit there, there and then be confident. And tell them whatever comes out of your mind. If that place is for you, they can't stop it. All of them with their, with their board meeting can't stop it. Can't stop it. If that's for you, because the kingdom you represent is not subservient. It doesn't serve any other kingdom. It's impossible. It's impossible. It doesn't happen anywhere. It's impossible. But I want to now close with this. Dominion, dominion over our flesh is a very serious thing the Christian must know and, is, and, and practice. Over the flesh. This aspect of dominion is not widely known. It's not widely really taught. We, th we think about having dominion over the devil and over outside things, but we should first have dominion over our flesh. First. If we don't, Every other thing is in trouble. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led of the, by the spirit, you are not under the law. He said there is something that wants to stop you from exercising dominion from living the life that you receive from Christ. It is your flesh. So, the battle line is drawn. In Romans 8, 7, it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you walk by your flesh, you cannot please God. This is a serious place to exercise dominion, people. This, a Christian must be aware of where his trouble is coming from. The flesh. The flesh. Canal mind. Therefore, we must not let the flesh control us. We must learn that the the, the most important battle you have to fight first, and if you win that, then you can win other ones. It's your flesh. It can hinder you from believing God. It can hinder you from doing anything. So the Bible says in Romans 6, 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Don't let your flesh control the way you live. Your emotions, don't let them. Don't let them. Do not give in to sinful desires. 
Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead. You see, it's referring to our death in Christ. You were dead, but now you have a new life. You are not what you used to be. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace that provided you a new life, provided Christ's presence in you, that gives you the power with which you can do all things. This thing the Lord didn't give you. They didn't provide you a new life. didn't give you the power to overcome anything. But grace provided you this. He said, because you died now, you have a new life, and Christ in you, you become part of him. That's the reason, hope of glory. So sin is no more your master. No more. 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. 21. And what was the result then? You were, not, you were now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. See why I must fight the flesh. 22. But now you are free from the power of sin. Free. The new man is created in the true image of God. It's free. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have sin in him. You are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God because your new nature has become the nature created in the image of God with the life of God in you. So by nature, you are like God. That's why I say your new nature acts like God. Now, you do those, those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. We must understand that this domination over the flesh is key, is primary, is important. Let me repeat Romans 6, 14. For sin shall, have, shall not have dominion over you. Should not. You know, I hear Christians say, ah, my problem is this, my anger. Really? <laughs> Are you saved? I know, Pastor, I know, I know. You know, I can't stop. My mouth, mama. Are you saved? If you are saved, the Spirit of God looks in the eye and said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why is it dominating you? Why? Why are you letting it dominate you? You think it's a laughing matter? It will destroy you. It will do to you what you don't want. It's not a laughing matter. The Bible says it leads to do. That's why you must get up and exercise your, you have the spirit of dominion. You exercise dominion over it and say no more. You're done. Oh no, not here. Not here. You know, my late father told me a story. Very, very interesting. I said, I said, Papa, you don't talk. He said, my son, I used to talk. So I realized I was saying the wrong things. 
So I said to myself, no more. No more. This month, you're not talking. I said, that was the end. He rose up in dominion and said, I'm in charge of you. You're not going to talk. It's the responsibility we ourselves. We have no business poking into other people's business. This is strictly between you and yourself. We do not have dominion over other people or over our human spirit. All this leaving your own lane and going to walk in another person's lane is unscriptural. God didn't send anybody there. Mind your business. You, can't, you have dominion over your own flesh. You don't have dominion over somebody else's flesh. And nobody called you to go and be judging how he's having dominion. First Peter 4, 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matter. Don't be a busybody in other men's business. First Peter 4, 15. I'm sorry, Romans 14, 4. Who do you think you are to sit in judgment of someone else's household servant? His own master is the one to evaluate whether he succeeds or fails, and not you or me. And God's servants will succeed. For God's power supports them, enables them to stand. Say, so who are you to be, leave your own lane as if to say you've done everything you're supposed to do? Even if you've done everything, nobody gave us any right to leave your lane and go into somebody else's lane. So we need to do what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourself. It didn't say examine Brother John. It didn't say examine brothers, Brother James. It didn't say examine Sister Tony, Sister, Sister Irene. It didn't say that. It said examine yourself to see if you are faith, your faith is genuine. And what, how do you test your faith? Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. If you don't recognize the presence of Christ in your life, you say you failed the test of genuine faith. It's your Bible. If you don't recognize Christ in you, you failed the test of real genuine And so we must live in the consciousness of our dominion over our flesh and wake up and be responsible and do it. You know, sometimes we are praying to God. You know, there are prayers we shouldn't be praying to God. God gave you responsibility and said, rise up and exercise dominion. You won't. You know, sometimes because we're enjoying those things, <laughs> it gives us some so-called pleasure or advantage and we just... Wasting our time bothering God. Wasting our time. Let's see how others did it. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12, this is Paul. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for, for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. That is a specific, definite statement. He didn't say, let me go pray to God. No, 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 no. God said, I gave you dominion. You reign over all the works of man. You reign. 
your spirit has the spirit of dominance because it's joined to Christ. Paul said, well, I'm not going to be a slave for anything. My mentor said he used to drink Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola every day. He would go buy Coca-Cola every day. Coca-Cola. And then, and he said he, would, <laughs> he became exactly the same time. He would go buy Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. The one day he woke up and said, I will not be brought under the power of Coca-Cola. That was it. He stopped. You know, it's surprising why we Christians <laughs> are doing this thing. When I went to marry my wife, she said, I don't like smoking. I didn't pray. I stopped. <laughs> I said, I'm not smoking again. I'm marrying you. I'm not smoking. I, I, there was no struggle. I just stopped. I simply said, I'm not smoking again. That's it. I stopped. I didn't have relapse. I didn't, have, I didn't even have desire anymore. 1 Corinthians 9.26. Therefore, I run toss not with uncertainty. Toss I fight not as one who beats in the air. I don't do things anyhow. No, this is what I do. 27. But I discipline my body. I take responsibility for my emotions, for my mouth, for what I say, for where I go, for reading the Bible. I have to make time and study. I take responsibility for creating a deep fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I take responsibility for serving Jesus. I, I control my time. I take responsibility. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Subjection to me. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Because the fl flesh can do that. The flesh can do that. Why do we have a lot of gossip? A lot of gossip, character destruction, a lot of backyard talk. Most of it lies, conjectured from people whose heart is totally evil. Why do we have that? Why? Do we, you're saying something different. Your heart is resenting somebody. But you're saying, why can't we be honest and say, at least to ourselves? Why? Because we don't understand that if you don't win the battle of the flesh, you can be disqualified. The Bible says if you, if you follow this flesh, you shall surely die. Not whether. Surely die. And so we are told to do something with our heart. We are told to fight the battle of what thoughts, our thoughts, and what comes there. We must fight and take it captive. It's called dominion. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in, in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Does that look like having a meeting with your thought, trying to decide? You take something captive, it's dominion, you exercise force over it. It doesn't look like, let's settle this thought, you know, you know, I'm a Christian, please don't come here again. It doesn't work like that. Definitely, I'm not going to be brought under your dominion. Did you hear that? You, are not, you, are, you don't have a place here. You're not going to control me. You're not going to die. No, 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 no. You are not, you are not doing it here. 
definitely bring it into captivity. Thoughts, 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 thoughts. Everything starts with thoughts. Starts there. All the issues of life come from the heart. Hatred, bitterness, gossiping, immorality. Jesus said it comes from inside. Sexual immorality, everything. Masturbation, all those lies, hypocrisy. You know, you come before, come here, you pretend in this place, you, are, you go behind and do this one. It's all just junk. It's all just junk. And people enjoy hypocrisy because why you think you're deceiving people? Will you deceive God too? Will you? That your laughter, is it from your heart? Is it genuine? Proverbs 4, 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, if we fail to control our flesh, look at what the scripture says. James 1, 26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Can it be any plainer than this? Control your emotion. Control your flesh. Control those things. I've said it. You know, Jesus is the solution to human misery. If you like, be doing it. But I'm telling you, the solution that God gave to this sinful world and evil world is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The word of God is the written word that reveals the living word to us. Jesus said, these are written to bring you to me so you have life. Divine answer to human problem is Christ crucified. If you neglect him and neglect what he did in your, he's doing in your life, the Bible says if you don't even recognize his presence in you, you have felt the basic taste of real faith. Because your faith must be in something else. I don't know anybody in whom Christ is controlling, who will quarrel, who will fight, who, who gossip. I don't know anybody. That's not the spirit that does those kind of things. His spirit produces the fruits of the spirit. He produces it. And maturity is to go from being controlled by carnal things to being controlled by the spirit of Christ. The Bible says we come to the fullness, the full maturity of Christ. That's called Christian maturity. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let me read this final, this one will go. Look at what Paul wrote here. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Either way, Christ's love controls us now. We are under his control. Christ's love controls us. Do you know what the love of God does? He forgives easily. He keeps no record of wrong. He doesn't speak evil of people. He loves people. The love of God is amazing. It's a, it makes you humble. And the Bible says if you do anything without this love, you're just wasting time. Paul said, we are not controlled by our flesh because we can be a castaway at the end, but the love of Jesus controls us now. We're under his control. We have refused to yield ourselves to the flesh we have yielded ourselves to Jesus. Go to any home where Jesus is controlling and show me the quarrel. You will see one. Not possible. I want us to bow our heads. Wherever you are listening to me.
I want you to think. Just take a minute and think. Let the Holy Spirit talk to you. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you again for the privilege of this word. We trust everything into your hand. Father, except you build, no man can build. So you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.